All right. In Matthew 6, where we've been considering for a long time, Jesus told the disciples to pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And mark that we've been looking at on earth as it is in heaven. And what he wanted on earth as it is in heaven is his kingdom to come, his will to be done. So, so we have to understand his kingdom and his will. And, and we've looked a lot in the book of Revelation, chapter 5, chapter 4 and 5, but in particular chapter 5, and the great transition from 4 to 5. We, we, in, in chapter 4, we see one on the throne. And in chapter 5, we see a lamb in the midst of the throne. So we have one on the throne, and then chapter 5, we see a lamb in the midst of the throne. And a few weeks ago, I shared this with you. In Hebrews 12, is, is a big transition or a great transition from the throne of the Old Covenant and the throne of the New Covenant. And so in the Old Covenant, Isaiah, uh, let's see what chapter in Isaiah, I think it's chapter 37, it speaks of the Lord as sitting on the throne, being enthroned between the cherubim. Isaiah 37, 16, O Lord of hosts, or Jehovah of hosts, God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You made the heavens and the earth. So that understanding that the temple, and in particular the mercy seat, represented God's throne, God's footrest. So heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool, and I believe if you study even Solomon's uh, architecture in the temple, you will ha have heavenly images on the veil, embroidered into the veil, maybe on the walls. I, I, it's been a long time since I've read that, but on the entranceway into the Holy of Holies, there's this heavenly image. And the Holy of Holies is considered to be the throne of God. And we looked at this in, in the Old Covenant last week, how that Jacob said when he went into Canaan and he, and he had the encounter with, with the Lord, he said, this is none other than the house of of heaven or house of God uh, and gateway to heaven. So, so that picture is, is in Israel. And that throne that God ruled from, God ruled from a word, 
and you have this in the natural in the in the dominion of the earth there's rulership from a word from a government a government's made up actually it's made up of people but people are enforcing laws of the kingdom so it's just like the united states we have laws of the kingdom just the way it is we have immigration laws we have speeding laws we have terms on congressmen so on and so forth but but the kingdom rule is based upon words and that's how it was in the old covenant so israel who was god's kingdom they were ruled by the law the law was how they were ruled that was it that was how they approached the lord in exodus 25 22 the lord said and i will meet with you there above the mercy seat between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the testimony i will commune with you about all that i command you regarding the israelites so god communed with them according to the commandments so israel's relationship with god was according to his throne according to his government and all through the old testament god was speaking of another throne that he was going to establish all through it isaiah 9 is one of the scriptures i'm most familiar with and it declares in isaiah 9 for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government Here's that word government shall be upon his shoulder. So, so now the government is to this one born, to this one given. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of david and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever the zeal of the lord of hosts will perform this so here we have coming into view another throne we have the throne of the old covenant and everything that related to God in the Old Covenant. And Hebrews 12, which, which I mentioned earlier, is, is in my view, what I, what I believe the Lord to have shown me is a great transition. We, we, we know that from you come to Mount Zion, you've not come to Mount Sinai, but within that passage of Scripture, a couple things just to point out here in coming to mount zion to the city of the living god the heavenly jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and church of the firstborn which are written in heaven and to god the judge of all so we have 
God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. So here's where God judges at, is in the mediator. That's why the Lamb is in the throne in Revelation chapter 5, in the midst of the throne. See, God, the judge of all, and spirits of just men made perfect, made complete, finished, to complete, accomplish, consummate, consecrate, finish. It's what this word means. Fulfill, perfect. So, so I mentioned this before. What changed to perfect them? Under the old covenant, none were perfect. No, not one. God concluded all under sin. So the word of the old covenant, the administration of the old covenant, showed everyone to be short of the glory of God. That was its administration. That's what it did. The administration of the new covenant shows those that come to Christ to be perfect. That's the change of the order, and that's what this is saying here in Hebrews 12. God, the judge of all, the spirits of just men made perfect, Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and the blood of sprinkling that speaks better than that of Abel. And he says, see that you refuse not him that speaks. So don't refuse what this blood says. Don't refuse it. And, and maybe a little bit later, we'll get into a little bit of what this blood says. We'll, we'll, I, in Sunday's lesson, talked about a little bit but this is the blood of the new covenant. So this blood is speaking according to the new covenant. So everything this blood is declaring is all that's in the new covenant, the remission of sins, being made complete. That's what this blood declares, all that Jesus set forth in that covenant. That's what it declares. So as we look at this transition of thrones, you had a transition of time. You move from old to new. You move from first to last. You move from natural to spiritual. All this is in the person of Jesus Christ. Every bit of this. And so, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And many times in my walk with the Lord, I would pray, Lord, what's your will for me? Here was... Here was the gap I had. What's your will for me? I wasn't asking God, what is your will? 
I was asking God, what is your will for me? And, I, and I've said this many times or several times recently. A lot of times when we pray and we say, thy will be done, we're holding up a situation like I want a new car and we, and we in our heart want a new Mercedes-Benz. But we only have the money to buy a Ford. And we'll pray sometimes. I'm just using this for example, kind of exaggerating a little bit to make a point. That will be done. Right? We may, we may know what we should do even before we pray that prayer. That, that doesn't necessarily have anything at all to do with God's will. But that's what we've done throughout our walks with the Lord many times is, is use that, thy will be done. That's what I've done. Thy will be done. Here's the situation. Lord, what's your will? Without saying, what is your will? In Ephesians 1, he really sets forth, Paul does, what God's will is. Ephesians 1, verse 9, says, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Here's what God desires to come into the earth. Here's the mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So we're predestinated to his purpose, that he's working after his own will that he purposed in himself to gather to gather all things in Christ. That's his will. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom also you trusted. After that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So here we go. To the praise of his glory. In the English Standard Version, it says in verse 11, it reads, in him we have obtained an inheritance. So an inheritance, and we talked about this several weeks ago, our inheritance is in Christ. And it says, having been predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. 
In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Brings a little light to this, because he tells us our inheritance is in Christ. And the Holy Spirit is the down payment or guarantee of the inheritance that we have in Christ to be to the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glory. So his will is to gather us up in Christ and we are to be to the praise of the glory of the Lord. So, here we go. One second. I'm going to put you on pause. All right, sorry about that. Uh, but to the praise of God's glory. Now, what does that mean? We're gathered in his will. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what does it mean to be to the praise of his glory? Flip over to John 17. Flip over to John 17. Verse 20. Jesus says here, John 17, verse 20, says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them which shall believe on me through their word, that they may be one. Now, what did we just read in Ephesians 1? that he would gather together all things into one. And here Jesus is praying that they may be one. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. Here's the praise of his glory. I in them, thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and has loved them as thou loved me. Glory to God. So we are to be one, united in Christ. So we receive the Lord, as Paul writes in Ephesians, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. 
unto the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Here's his will. They may be one. Thou in me and I in them. This is what we are purchased for. This is the administration of the throne of God. The administration of the throne of God is, is that all would see, that the world would see that we're one. That the manifold wisdom of God may be declared by the church. By the church. This is goes back to the book of Exodus and the Lord, or actually Genesis, when he's dealing with Abraham and then with the Israelites, and he's telling them, I'm going to be your God, and you are going to be my people. That's, that's been his mind. I believe since he created man, that he was going to take a man out of man. He was going to have a people out of mankind in the earth that were going to bear his image. That were going to show forth his praise. That were going to be one. Glory to God. Glory to God. That's what the, the you, you know, there's a lot to say in ruling and reigning with Christ, but this, but this oneness may sum up every bit of that. Because if we walk as one with the Lord, as we walk in understanding that we're one with the Lord, we, we definitely have to be one and united with their brothers because we see the work of the Lord has made all those one. And see, that, that cuts the division right there. We, we talk a lot about the division of, of, of people saying, well, I'm Baptist or Catholic or whatever. But when you come into this great oneness and unity of the Lord, that cuts the division. Right? Right away. It's gone. Because we're now one with him. We're not divided. And we, and we minister out of that. We're ministering out of the throne. Because that's, that's what he did. So you go over to Ephesians I believe I want chapter 4. He says, verse 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you, verse 1, Ephesians 4, 1, 
I beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you were called. Wow. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. So here's what it means to walk worthy of the vocation, of the invitation you were called to, keeping the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body. Then, he, then what, does he, what does he bring into view? There's one body. One Spirit. Even as you're called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So here's the bond. That word bond means a joint tie, a ligament, uniting. So the bond of peace. The bond of peace. What's the bond of peace? We're joined to the Lord. We're joined to the Lord. That's a good reason to have peace with their brother. We're joined to the Lord. We're of the same body. We belong to the same God. That's a... That's a ministration of the throne. Endeavoring to keep it. Endeavoring to walk in it. Purposely desiring it. Purposely receiving it. And, and see Jesus saying, Father, that they may be one. I in them. And see, this, this is where the heart of the Lord begins to just come forth. I in them, thou in me, that they may, may, may be made perfect in one. And as we begin to see the heart of the Lord, the ministry that we should have to one another is just that, that they may be one. And we should be ministering that to one another, that they may be one. that of his fullness we've received. I know sometimes it looks difficult with the church system, but it's more than possible with God. And see, and see that's just something that's got to change in our minds as we, as we look at this and we say, well, you, you can get into all the chaos of, you don't even have to get into the chaos of the world. You can get into the chaos of the church system. And you can set your mind even upon that. But what we set our affections upon, Apostle Paul writes, is, is Christ who's sitting 
seated in the authority power of the right hand of God, seated at the throne. Set your affections above where Christ is seated, we could write or say, in the throne, in the right hand of power. And when we set our affections there, we begin to see the work that he did, and then we can say, then all things are possible. It's possible for the church to be one. It is possible for unity. It is possible for the flow of the Spirit. And it's possible because of what he did. Right? It's possible because of who he is. It's his administration. We're declaring what Jesus accomplished. And what he, uh, this is what he, he accomplished in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he would gather together all things in one, even in Christ. All things in heaven, on earth. That's why it's possible. Because that's what God did. He gathered them up in Christ to be manifested through his body, through the church, on the earth. And that's what he did. Well, glory to God. Glory to God. So, anyway, I pray this ministers to your heart tonight. I'm going to open it up, and we can all have a have a little chat. I apologize for a little bit of the of the internet connection here, uh, so that you know 